Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Master the Mouse. Hit it, maestro. Welcome to episode 28 of Master the Mouse. I'm Aaron. With me, as always, is Griffin. Griffin, how are you? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for asking. Glad to be back. Talk a little Disney with you. Let's do it. It's our most favorite episode, and and we're not bashful. We will fully admit it. We are going to be hitting the question of the episode episode. Also, we need to come up with a better name for this. That's just such a mouthful. Agreed. Question of the episode works, but question of the episode episode does not work. Yeah, because we do the question of the episode every episode, but then the whole episode devoted to that, I feel like should have a different name. Yeah, that's. uh, let me marinate on that a little bit, and uh, I'll get back to you. All right, we'll come up with it. So let's just dive right in. Griffin, I'll let you kick it off. What question are you going to start us off with? Okay, I'm going to ease in because I got some some good ones in the in the hopper here. But uh, let's start out with just a clean cut ride. Uh, overrated or underrated, the Astro Orbiter over at Magic Kingdom. You know what's funny about that ride is it was one that I never really stood in line for in road for the longest time, mainly because the line always seemed long and... It just I just wasn't ever interested in it until several years ago, I went with my daughter who just really is into space and wanted to go ride the rocket ships. And so we went up and rode them and I was pleasantly surprised and my breath was taken away a little bit because those things really whip around. It's not like Dumbo or the magic carpets or anything like that. Those rockets just they I mean, they they fly. <laughs> So it'll uh, it'll catch you off guard if you're not careful about it. But, you know, I think that Astro Orbiter is underrated. I, I do because it is iconic. It's an iconic structure when you walk into Tomorrowland. Right. And I don't think that that ride gets the hype sometimes that it deserves because it really is kind of exciting. Yeah, I, I see everything you're saying. I forget about it sometimes, you know, when you're thinking about all the rides that, you know, go in a circle. A lot of times I'll forget to, uh, you know, put it in the list with magic carpets and and Dumbo. So yeah, I'm with you. I think slightly underrated. I think most people's concern is the line, right? You know, you have to load via the elevator. So it seems like the line builds there fairly quickly and they don't, you know, they're whatever the capacity is per hour. There's probably miserably low. So uh, I I guess for that reason, I don't ride it often and you're really much at all just because I never want to wait 30, 45 minutes for something if I don't have to. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I will say just a cautionary tale to anyone that's thinking about riding it, especially with your kids. It is a lot more intense than the magic carpets or Dumbo or Triceratops spin. It uh, it's it's quite a bit faster, and you're what fifty feet off the ground too, at least. So yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit more intense than those other rides that go around in a circle. Okay, that's good to know. And I, I guess it's not something that we could recommend you use a fast pass for. Is there even a fast pass for it? No, I don't believe so. Yeah, I, for some reason it wasn't on my list. I, I figured there's probably not. So, and then again, you probably don't want to rope drop it. So it it sounds like it's just something you just got to be willing to kind of wait for or pick it on a, a day where the park's not crowded. Yeah, it's one of those rides when we approach it, it's great to ride it and we always enjoy it, but we're not necessarily going to be sad if we miss it because we're not going to wait in a long line to ride it either. Yeah, so you just kind of walk by, you see the line, you kind of make your judgment call at that point. Yeah, absolutely. We'll go ride Buzz Lightyear or Space Mountain 
or Carousel of Progress or something like that and check out the line for Astro Orbiter each time. And then if if it's short enough, you know, we'll go pop over in line real quick. But if it's if it's long, then, you know, we'll just move on to the next thing. Move on. Yeah, I like that. What about day or night? If you had to pick, how would you prefer to ride? Oh, for sure at nighttime. Okay, that's kind of what I figured. I just love Tomorrowland at night already. So, you know, I'm trying to think if I've ever ridden Astro Orbiter at night. I don't think I have. So it seems like it would be a no-brainer. Yeah, we rode it for – the last time we rode it actually was when we were down this past fall. It was the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, and the line was super short then. And so we rode it at night, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I, I like that. That's a good time to do it during a party. All right. I'm going to stay in Magic Kingdom, actually, and I'm I'm even going to stay with the ride theme. Okay. Well, I hate to call this a ride because it's not really a ride. So overrated or underrated, the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Uh underrated and I'll, I'll i think i've talked about this before but uh I, we did this just a couple months ago and there is there's not a whole lot to it I'll, i will give you that you know for people that don't know it's right there in magic kingdom is that it's the turn right into Adventureland, and uh, basically just kind of a free-flowing you know you just walk and basically follow a path up into this treehouse and then back down and along the way you get some good views along the way you get you know some different things to look at and read about the, the treehouse. Uh, but I, I like it for a couple of reasons. One, in general, it's something that you could always go do without having to wait in line, which is on a busy day in Magic Kingdom, there's something to be said for that. So that I enjoy. My kids, for whatever reason, really think that is cool. That's another one I'd recommend at night, actually, when it's cooled off. And you can get some pretty nice views as you get higher and higher up into the treehouse. Um, so I like it for that reason, that there's not a whole lot of weight. Now, you could, you know, whatever you do, don't go rope drop this thing this is something you do in my mind at the most crowded time of the day unless you're got another reason for doing it so it's an anytime attraction you can do it anytime without a, without a line so for that reason i like it i like to have a few things in my back pocket that i know no matter what the lines are doing i can take my kids to do during the middle of the day so i like to have that list in my head and then i've talked about this before the other thing i like about it is on firework nights when you're trying to get ready to see happily ever after you know it can be a real pain if you get too far back in the park, say back at Haunted Mansion or something, and you've got to make your way in front of the castle for fireworks. A lot of the paths start getting closed off. You can underestimate how long it's going to take you to move about the park right before the fireworks start. So I like the treehouse is kind of a pre-fireworks move because you can do it and then you literally just come down, cut out of Adventureland, and you're right in front of the castle just a few feet away. So that's another reason I like it. So for all those reasons, underrated knowing that probably most people walk right by it and don't even care yeah i agree with everything you said however i'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here okay because i enjoy the treehouse i think it's fascinating it's one of the original attractions in disneyland and and walt disney world and magic kingdom as well so it's got that nostalgia feel to it it's it's very much ingrained in in what Disney is and who Walt Disney was and and why he enjoyed adventure and why it was a part of the parks. So I get it for all those reasons and it's one of the reasons that it's it's something that I truly enjoy as well. However, let me just point out a couple of things why I I don't always do it and why I wish sometimes there was something else there instead of the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Okay. For starters, you spend all day walking around and on your feet. The last thing that I want to do in the park is climb a bunch of stairs up a treehouse just to see it. <laughs> because if it were me, I would want to go up and play around in it. Now, if you had free reign to do the stuff in the treehouse, 
it would totally change my perspective. But literally, you are climbing this treehouse to just look at it. And so because of that, like I'm not a big fan of just climbing steps just to climb steps, especially when I've had a kid on my shoulders or I've been chasing around a, a toddler who, you know, is, is running from line to line. And, and so you're just tired at the end of the day. And so that's not something that I would be thrilled about going and doing. Yes, I say that, but you see, you got to get your kids a little bit older. You got to send them up there without you. That's, that's the magic of it. Maybe that's the key. Uh, maybe, maybe a couple more years I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. Cause you know, you know where they enter, you know where they exit. You just park yourself right there. Yeah, true. Very true. But here's the other thing that attraction takes up a pretty sizable footprint in magic kingdom as far as Adventureland is concerned right. now obviously it doesn't have you know the space that something like pirates of the caribbean or the jungle cruise has but it has a pretty sizable footprint and because of that i feel like there are so many other things that you could do with that space besides just having a a treehouse there because he, here's the math of of how that works, at least in my head, and, and call me a Disney nerd, if you will. But Magic Kingdom tends to be one of the heaviest crowded populated parks, right? Correct. So if that's if that's what you're going on and the park itself is crowded, I would want another attraction to draw the crowds away from the rides that I want to ride. Yeah. And the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse doesn't do that. As you just said, people walk by it and don't even know that it's there. So they're not going to be tempted to go walk up this treehouse. They're going to keep walking and right. they're going to go to Jungle Cruise or they're going to go to Pirates or they're going to make their way into Frontierland and get on one of the mountains. And those lines are going to become long. Yeah. Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse is never long. And so if there was something else there that drew people into it, then I would be more apt to say, yeah, it is underrated. But right now, just to be a contrarian, I'm going to say that it's overrated and I maybe wish something else was there. Okay. I can accept that. And uh, you're right. It would be cooler if you if you went up there and actually did anything. But uh, I, you, you definitely don't. You just kind of walk. So let me ask you this. What do you think? I don't, I don't know the answer to this. When is the last time that Disney put a new ride in Adventureland or Frontierland for that matter? Oh, that's a good question. I It's... They haven't been tinkered with much, right? No, I mean they've refurbed. They've refurbed Splash Mountain and they've refurbed Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. In fact, I think as far as the newness is concerned, the queue of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad was the last thing that got redone from just like a ride perspective there in Frontierland. They got a a new queue in Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. It's it's got more stuff that you can interact with, so the lines don't seem as long. So that's probably the newest thing. But as far as rides themselves. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot there as far as newness. Um, yeah. Adventureland, I mean, the newest ride is what, the Magic Carpets? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, right? I mean, obviously, they just have tweaks, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean over the years and that sort of thing. But as far as a new ride, I mean, those those two lands are have been set in stone now for years and years as far as what they offer. Yeah, as far as the other thing, not attractions are concerned, you know, you do have the Skipper Canteen in Adventureland. That's a relatively new restaurant. Yeah, that's true. Magic Kingdom's Club 33, which is an ex- exclusive Disney club that you get to be a part of. And it's like this super secret, super expensive membership. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Yes. Club 33. It's in Adventureland now, too. It's, it's new to Magic Kingdom. It used to be just a Disneyland thing. Right. It's, it's moved over to Disney World. And so Club 33, the Magic Kingdom, is in Adventureland as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking it's been a while. So obviously Fantasyland's seen its share of new things and kind of same thing with Tomorrowland. But uh, 
And I love Adventureland, so um, I'm okay leaving it as is. All right, your turn. What question you got for us? All right, you're gonna have to roll with me on this one a little bit. Overrated or underrated? Well, just just kind of your thoughts on ride spoilers, and let me kind of explain to you what I mean. So there's kind of Star Wars, for example, as their talk of new rides comes starts to surface online, or for instance, when Pandora came out and Flight of Passage was being talked about and explained in detail online and you haven't been down there yet. Where do you come on the, the stance of, I'm not gonna read anything about the specifics of the ride because I wanna be surprised so that I can have an authentic uh, experience and opinion on it? Or are you in the opposite camp of wanting to know every single nugget of everything before you go regardless? So I'm going to answer your question with a question back to you. Okay. I think this will adequately gauge my response. Okay. I, I rode Avatar Flight of Passage before you did, correct? Correct. I tried to describe the ride to you as best as I could. Right. When you rode it for the first time, was my description of that ride adequate or did it not even come close to the experience that you had no i mean it's uh, well i would say you did a pretty good job of explaining it like i, I between you and everything else i'd read i knew kind of what to its expect but were you any less disappointed when you wrote it or did oh, you yes. still get off the ride thinking oh my gosh that was an incredible experience exactly yes so i i agree i i was no less disappointed but i will say i am firmly in that second camp this is with everything in life vacations whatever i, I tend to know the details about something before and I like to know the details of it before. Um, so I honestly don't know what it would feel like to go see a very heavily hyped ride and, and know nothing about it. Like one example to go off the Disney rails, you know, briefly would be like the musical Hamilton, which you and I both have seen. By the time I saw it, I knew every single word of every single song. I also went and saw it with somebody who knew nothing about it. And I think as much as I loved it, it was like going to you know a concert of your favorite band. The person that knew nothing about it, I think may have had a more surreal experience. Um, so I don't know what it's like to purposely not learn about Flight of Passage and then go experience because I always like to learn about it. But I just was curious, you know, as the as more and more details come out about Star Wars, this is going to be a choice that all Disney enthusiasts are going to have to make. Is are you going to know everything even before you go, or do you want to wait? Yeah, so I'm, I I feel like I need to answer the question more specifically than for me because I'm the type of person that I'm I'm indifferent. If I'm surprised, that's fine. If I know the details, I, I feel like I'm a part of some sort of exclusive club too. Right. But I feel like Disney does things so well that it doesn't matter if you know the details about a particular ride or not, you're still going to be blown away by what they do. So I have yet to ride a ride as far as some of the newer attractions in Walt Disney World that I've ridden and have been disappointed because I knew what to expect, even with the new overlay that Soren had. When, so Soren used to be you know, just the United States. Right. And then they changed it to Soren and it was kind of this world kind of perspective of flying across the world. And even even though I had read about what to expect, where the best seats were, you know, what scene progression looked like and what the smells were going to be like, I left that ride thinking, boy, that was awesome. And I right. didn't come away disappointed or feel like I was left out. I'm a little indifferent. And you're right. I think Star Wars is a great example. I, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I, I, I don't like go to the conventions or anything and dress up. But I do enjoy the movies. I've seen them all. I, there's something that I've, I've watched 
more than once. And right. I'm, I'm super pumped about the new attractions coming into Star Wars and, and what that whole experience is going to be like. At the same time, even though I've read all those articles, I know that when I go for the first time, I'm going to be blown away. Right. And I'm, and I'm, I'm totally okay with that. So I think, you know, to answer your question, ride spoilers overrated. Because I, I feel like that even if you know, you don't really know because you haven't experienced it. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's where I come down as well. Does that does your does your opinion stay the same if you throw in like YouTube videos, like basically watching a ride? Like, does that affect you at all, or do you think same thing is not the same as being there? Yeah, I, I, it's the same thing for me. I, because here's here's a great example. So when Toy Story Land opened, I I watched people ride Slinky Dog Dash for the first time, as well as Alien Swirling Saucers. Mm -hmm. And people had their own opinions on both of those rides. Slinky Dog Dash was incredible. It was awesome. It was such a great addition to Hollywood Studios. Alien Swirling Saucers, there was a lot of disappointment. It was kind of a, a cheesy carnival ride addition to Hollywood Studios. Right. I loved both of those rides equally. I, I don't know that, you know, just because I like roller coasters, I would probably lean towards Slinky Dog, but I loved the music of Alien Swirling Saucers. I thought the theming around Alien Swirling Saucers was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed that ride. And so a lot of people were disappointed about it. I had read reviews where people were disappointed about it. I didn't leave disappointed. Yeah. So to me, knowing what to expect is, is, is just information at best, and it's not going to hinder my experience one way or the other okay i'm glad to hear you say that i kind of feel the same way if anything sometimes i find myself you know it kind of helps me get hyped up for what i'm going to experience if i know a lot about it like i mean star wars land for instance i've been excited but i was also also been kind of like oh my gosh these crowds are going to be insane but i, I don't know how much you've read and we, we can save this for another episode but i mean they're they're now kind of blow by blow you know steps that they'll give you as much detail as we know about the rides. And I read, I guess apparently the people they took through the rise of the resistance ride that's coming, they only got to see like a third of the ride, but what they described sounds like something that we've never seen before, a scale that just sounds off the charts of what Disney's about to try to pull off. So when I read stuff like that, it doesn't make me disappointed that I know the details. It just gets me fired up. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And there are so many rides coming to Walt Disney World as we speak. So so for Magic Kingdom, you have the new Tron roller coaster coming, which is going to be a new experience, a new ride in Magic Kingdom in Tomorrowland, which, you know, we'll read stuff about that and, and it'll still be awesome. And, and even though that there are rides like that. So Tron is a roller coaster at one of the other Disney theme parks. Yeah. So you already know what to expect somewhat, but it's still going to be awesome. So you have that coming into magic kingdom. You have the guardian of the galaxy coming to Epcot. You have the Remy ride coming to Epcot as well. You've, you obviously have had Pandora in animal kingdom and now Hollywood studios is getting a whole remodel with star Wars land. I, it's all of that is going to be awesome. And it doesn't matter how many spoilers you read. There's so much newness happening down in Walt Disney world that you'll probably forget a lot of the details. And then the experience you have hopefully will be a great one and you'll love every bit of what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, um, I'll watch YouTube videos on all these rides before I go down there probably. So um, I'm okay knowing before. All right. Something a little less heavy, a little bit more straightforward. Okay. Something that you and I have both done not within a park, but it's more an experience type of thing. So I'm going to say overrated or underrated. The movies 
Under the Stars at the Disney Resort. So almost every Disney Resort does movies under the stars at least, you know, a couple nights a week where they'll play a Disney movie and you can come out and roast marshmallows and watch the movie and the weather permits. It'll it'll be a, a cool experience. So movies under the stars, overrated or underrated? I can't pick properly rated, right? No, it's not an option anymore. We have ruled that out. Yeah, we've taken it away. All right, I'm going to say slightly underrated only because some people may not even realize that that's an option on your Disney vacation. But uh, I think you and I both get the value of, you know, not wearing your family out in the parks, especially on an extended vacation. So you're going to need some of these kind of times at the resorts. And the great thing about Disney is that time at the resort doesn't can be a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be just the pool or just hanging out in your room. There's so many options, and this is one of them that um, Disney does a great job of making it feel unique and fun, and my kids love it whenever we do it. So all that being said, the night is my favorite time to be in the parks. So if at all possible, I want to be in the parks at night. But if I'm going to spend a you know a night at the resort, I think the, uh, the movies are a great option and a good way for kids to kind of blow off steam and not be stuck waiting in a line. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm going to say, you said slightly underrated. I'm going to say like wholeheartedly underrated. Okay. Because here's why. My approach to them isn't just because you go see movies under the stars doesn't mean you have to be there from beginning to end. So if you're walking across, I don't know, name any resort, the Polynesian. Yeah. And and they have, you know, the movies under the stars set up right over close to the the main lawn there in the Polynesian. So you're walking from Mahana, you're going to catch the fireworks out on the beach uh, happily ever after, but in between the two, you know, they're they're doing movies under the stars. And so you could go catch 15 minutes of the rescuers down under with your dole whip and and you watch a couple minutes of it before you make your way down to the beach i think it's one of those things that disney does just as an option when you're in the resorts to make it feel more inclusive of family so it's it's a lot of times and, and you've probably been here too griffin and you go to the pool like the kids jump in the pool and they're doing their thing and mom and dad typically aren't engaged right and not to say that all parents are like that but i get tired of throwing my kids in and out of the water in the pool. So I last like 15, 20 minutes maybe. And then I'm, I'm toast just because my body spent from throwing kids across the pool. Yeah. And the kids could go all day long. And so they're in the pool laughing, splashing, and I'm sitting up, you know, in my, in my chair kind of relaxing. I yeah. think with those movies under the stars thing, what happens a lot of times, and you see it when you're there is that, you know, you're walking with a, an ice cream treat or you're walking right after dinner and you're headed to somewhere else and all of a sudden you stop and, and you're watching a couple minutes of your favorite childhood Disney movie and your daughter or son, you know, kind of leans their head into your side and you put your arm around them and then it becomes this like special moment that you're having with your family and it, it might only last 10 minutes or so and then you're on to where you're supposed to be. But I think it's one of those things that Disney allows you to experience family in an environment where there is so much going on and so many things that are, you know, trying to pull your attention in, in a bunch of different directions that it's kind of one of those places where you can exhale and just enjoy your family and be in the moment. Yeah, I like that explanation. Polynesian is one of my favorite places to to see the movie Under the Star. So I like that example. Uh, and if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like once your kids are in the pool, you do not watch them. I mean, I'm just going to put that on the record. <laughs> I, uh, true. Yeah, they're both strong swimmers, even your two-year-old, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> just, uh, we end up in pools where they have those splash pads. Yes. So, you know, I, I would hardly call what they are doing in the pool. It's more or less them just running around and getting wet, which I'm not a huge fan of to begin with. I'll go sit in the hot tub. Yeah, splash pads are not meant for adults. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my turn, right? 
Yep, you're up. All right. Uh, I just can't help myself with these off-the-wall questions. All right. Overrated or underrated, your shoe choice at Disney World? Oh, that's a great question. That's something that we hadn't talked about. Um, Super important decision, and I feel like very underrated. Yeah, I agree. Here's what drives me crazy, and I don't know if you're like this or not. Like, I take... I take Disney probably too serious at times. And one of the things that I take too seriously is the way that I dress. And so you will not find me in Disney. Well, a caveat too. We don't live there. We don't get to go there all the time. And so it's not like we can pop in an afternoon and ride to attractions or eat at a restaurant and then, you know, get back to work or go back home or we just did it for the weekend for fun. Right. Like when we go down there, we're down there for at least a week and you know we're trying to see and do as much as we can and for that reason you you either are preparing or you're failing and if you're not prepared that means the bags packed the night before you got your clothes laid out you got you know you're considering whether or not you're going to get wet on an attraction and you are wearing the proper shoes right so you know, we've talked about changing our shoes out for our kids because their feet get tired. You won't find me in an uncomfortable pair of shoes at Disney. I can promise you that. So I'm either, you know, in a nice pair of like athletic running shoes or, you know, I'm packing. I'm a big fan of Birkenstocks just because they're comfortable on my feet. So I, yeah. I might pack a pair to swap out later in the evening. And, and so I think the shoe choice is very underrated and a very important decision to make when you know you're going to be in the park all day. Yeah, I'm with you. I think we've talked about this some, but I love the the two shoe strategy. I mean, it's, there's something about just changing it out for a different shoe that can sometimes get you a little bit of relief. And I think normally in the summer in Florida, I'd be in flip flops, but that's not going to be a good long term you know option when you're walking that much. So you really got to stick with the shoes in my mind. So, and I'll give you one other tidbit. So back a couple of years ago when I was having some back trouble, I ended up having to see a chiropractor and he was harping on me about how you got to have fresh shoes every four months. That's what he said. I'd never thought about that. I don't know about you, but I'd wear my Nikes for two years and unless they got a hole in them, I'd just keep wearing them. But not until I started actually rotating and wearing fairly new shoes did I notice the difference in support. Um, so yeah, get yourself a new pair of shoes before you go to Disney World and it'll probably make a difference because you're going to be walking. I mean, I, I tend to walk 10 miles a day when I'm there. So it's worth having a fresh, good, well-padded pair of shoes if you're going to walk that much. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And any chance that you need to buy shoes, you might, you know, Disney might as well be the excuse, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I don't buy a lot. And my wife would tell you this. I do not buy a lot in the way of like shoe, uh, like clothes. I love buying tennis shoes. It's like my one buying vice. So I'm always looking for an excuse to buy a new pair of Nikes or Adidas. Yeah, I'm a shoe guy as well. So yeah. I, I feel you there. Okay, so we'll get some uh, we'll get some new shoes before our next trip. It's decided. <laughs> uh, a shoe excursion, if you will, with the Master of the Mouse, sponsored by Master of the Mouse podcast. Yeah, absolutely. If they could put a Mickey on the side of my Nikes, I'd you know, man, that probably wouldn't do so well back home. But in Disney World, it would be nice. Hey, get a sponsorship however you can get a sponsorship, right? That's right. All right, I'm up. So I'm going to, again, keep it simple. I'm going to say overrated or underrated extra magic hours. Mm, uh, overrated. So I feel pretty good about that. And uh, some of this maybe we would have have said in the past, but I'll just kind of quickly summarize here for the listeners that haven't um, heard this from us before. But 
basically what you're describing, extra magic hours, not to be confused with Disney early morning magic and all these other different phrases that they put out there. But this is time either before or after regular park hours that it's open exclusively to people that are staying on Disney property. So the reason that I would say, well, that I would say overrated is that those, if you're on Disney property and Disney does a great job of doing this and you see, Oh, I can get in the park at eight o'clock instead of nine o'clock. I'm going to go to that park today. So Disney does a great job of making everybody that stand on Disney property that, you know, feel like one of the ways to get the best bang for their buck is to experience these extra magic hours that they're privy to because of where they chose to stay. So I don't know about you, but I, I kind of feel like that sometimes when I'm staying on site, like, wow, I've got this opportunity. I feel like I've got to be here. But the reality is that there's a lot of people staying on Disney property, just like you. And there, if a decent chunk of them show up at that park at 8 a.m., it, it's got the potential to be crowded. So I think that it can be done very poorly if you're not careful. So in the mornings, especially if you're there right when it opens and you can hit that 8 a.m. open with a regular 9 a.m. for the rest of the crew, by all means, you can definitely get some stuff done. But if you show up at 8.30 and the park opens at 9 to everybody else, I don't think you're doing yourself a whole lot of favors at that, at that point, except just going to a more crowded park. So that's one reason. You know, you can't, you, there's no fast passes during extra magic hours. So you got to be careful about that. The night magic hours, I'm more okay with because a lot of times that'll basically be the only park left open. You know, it's either that or being back at the hotel. Well, then, heck yeah, let's go, let's go explore whatever park is staying open late. But for the most part, I'm going to say overrated and I'm going to a lot of times use that to guide me to other parks that I think may be less crowded. Totally agree. When we went, not just when we went, when we go, we typically don't structure our park days around magic hours at all. It, it Most importantly in the morning, we've talked about several times in this podcast that it's, it's super important to zig while everyone else is zagging. I think that that was something that you coined, Griffin, but this is a prime example. Disney is all about crowd control and for lack of a better word or phrase, crowd manipulation. So if they can convince you to go to Epcot so they can take away the crowds at other resorts, or you know, if there's something that they're really trying to get people engaged with at Epcot, then they're going to open it up earlier and keep it open later. That means there's going to be more crowds there. So while everybody is headed towards Epcot, it's a great time to head over to Hollywood Studios or over to Magic Kingdom or to Animal. Like there's uh, there's three other parks that you can go to besides Epcot. Right. So I think they're overrated as well. I'm with you on evening. A lot of times people duck out after fireworks are over anyway. And so if the parks open a little later after the fireworks, it's a great time to get in what you need to. So I'm with you on this one. I think they're overrated. Okay. I, I'm glad we're on the same page on this. I just, 8 a.m. is early. Those early, you know, the morning magic hours. And I'll, I'll tell you what, if I'm going to wake up to be at a park at eight o'clock, I'm probably less likely to go to the extra magic hours. And I'm probably more likely to go to somewhere for a pre-park opening 8, 8, 8 ADR. So like say Hollywood Studios got morning ma extra magic hours. I'd rather have an ADR to go to be our guest over at Magic Kingdom go in at 810, have a nice breakfast, and then I'm riding, you know, Seven Doors Mine Trains three times before the park even opens. And you'll probably get just as much done that way in, in fraction of the amount of time. Um, so there's, there's, I think there's more effective ways to use your time than waking up super early and rope dropping an 8 a.m. extra morning magic hour. Absolutely right. All right, good deal. What do you think? Are we, are we done? Are we got time for one more? Let's do one more each. All right, I'm going to go... 
fairly straightforward here. Um, I want you to tell me, overrated or underrated, Space Mountain. Oh. And you got to remember that it's it's highly thought of, I, I would say, for the most part. So you have to take that yeah, into account. Yeah, it is highly thought of. Man, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to say overrated, but but I have to explain why. Okay. And you alluded to it a little bit. We are talking about Space Mountain in Walt Disney World. Right. So by all accounts, Disneyland is better. I've never ridden it, but most people say it's better. Yes. So, but we're talking about Walt Disney World, Space Mountain. And here's why I think it's overrated. It is very much highly regarded. It will always have a, a pretty long wait associated with it. And the overlays that go into that ride for the special occasions, especially the the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, that overlay took that ride to another level. I rode that ride during the Halloween party where it was pitch black and, you know, the music was super loud and had just an incredible experience. And I've talked about it on the podcast. You know, I was, I was crying. I was laughing so hard that I was crying and it was, it was an all around fun thing. And I, and I thought to myself, that's what that ride should be all the time. Right. And it isn't, it, it, it ends up being a ride that you ride. You know, if you're like me, you just ride it because you always ride it. And it's, it's, very much ingrained into you know Disney culture and that's why you ride it not because it's the greatest ride or it doesn't need to be enhanced or anything like that because the overlays that they do make it so much better and and because it can be better I think the way it is right now is it's it's just an overrated ride okay yeah that the more you talk about those overlays it just makes me frustrated that that's not like why can't we do that all the time you know so everybody can experience it yeah, absolutely. So I haven't been to the Christmas party in quite some time, and I hope to get back soon. But like, even for Christmas, turn the lights out and play the Trans-Siberian Orchestra on blast. And that's going to be awesome. And it's just going to be different, and it's going to bring a fresh dynamic to that ride that it just doesn't have right now. It's just stale. It's just stale, and it needs to be enhanced a little bit is all. Yeah, I, I agree. I think slightly overrated. I mean, the more... Disney cranks out these new impressive rides. You know, the Tron coaster is going to be in, in the same park in a couple of years. Uh, you know, it's, it does start to feel a little bit like it's, you know, it's living on nostalgia and, you know, just the history that it has, which there's something to be said for that. But, you know, any little tweaks, you know, refurbs, those sort of things to, to bring it up to date, I'm, I'm on board with. You're right. Absolutely. All right, I've got one. I've got one last question for you. Okay, this is going to be one that you may or may not be able to answer. I don't know. Okay, I'm ready. Overrated or underrated? Personalized magic bands. Um, do you mean? Let me. So they come automatically personalized underneath, like with whatever you put as your MDE username. But you're talking about like putting bling on your magic band. I'm talking about one of two things. Okay. One being what you just mentioned, enhancing your magic band to make it stand out. Okay. Or purchasing a magic band that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get for free. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So they make these other magic bands that are themed. You can get like a Toy Story one or you can get a Pirates of the Caribbean one or you can get, you know, whatever Disney theming has at the same time. But but those don't come free with your reservation like the solid color ones do. So you can you can actually purchase these magic bands for a premium price and then add it to your account and wear that personalized or, you know, specialized magic band. So that, those are the two things I'm talking about. Either you bling it out yourself or you buy one because you like the pattern. Yes. Terribly overrated in my mind. And 
I've done a great job of not letting my kids know that these two options even exist. Um, so when their purple, blue, or red Magic Man comes in the mail, they're super psyched about it, and I plan to keep it that way. So I don't know why we need to uh, spend more money on things that Disney is willing to give us, I guess, quote-unquote, for free. So I, I can see how people that go a lot maybe get bored with their same color Magic Band and they got to change it up, but I, I just would rather spend my money elsewhere. So to me, it's a pretty clear overrated, but you, you may have another thought on this. I do have another thought. So of the two options I mentioned, one being customize it yourself, the other being purchase it, my wife has purchased one. She wanted the Millennium Pink Magic Band that you you couldn't get, you know, for free with your reservation. Mm-hmm. It was something that you had to purchase, but she wanted that color, and so we bought one. Not something that I would recommend doing. Personally. How much? How much is is this going to set you back? No, it's like twenty bucks or so. I mean, it's not it's not overly expensive, but to your point, it's it's an expense that you're incurring that you really don't have to incur at all right yeah we just work so hard i mean half our show we just work so hard to like cut corners here and there and save save money i I mean i guess if it's something you're excited about go for it but it's just not something i can get super excited about but here's where i'm gonna throw a little monkey wrench into it something that i've gotten super into lately are these decals that you can buy and so a lot of like third-party etsy companies will buy decals or will sell decals rather where you can personalize or customize your magic band. So for instance, I got a blue magic band on our last trip and I bought the wallpaper decal from Andy's bedroom from Toy Story. Okay. So I had the blue magic band, but the sticker around the, the band itself had the little clouds that you saw in Andy's room. And then the other side of it had the clouds as well as the little Toy Story ball. And so I think, you know, between the two decals, I spent like four bucks. I think they were like a buck each or two bucks each for each decal. It was something that I put on my magic band. I was like, you know what? That's really cool. And I enjoy that. And it's, it was, it was pretty cheap, you know, a couple bucks. It, it made my magic band stand out because here's, here's what happens, right? You get your magic band and Griffin, tell me what you think of the people that are in Walt Disney world that have gray magic bands. Gray magic bands. Yeah. Oh, I'm fine with it. You're fine with it? Yeah, sure. Do you, do you not think less of those people? No, should I? I do. Oh, I got. I would totally get gray. I got blue just because one of my boys wanted mine to match him, but I, I would totally get gray. So when I see a gray magic band, you know what I think? What do you think? This person didn't adequately plan their Disney trip and got to their resort and said, oh, I get a magic band? And Disney gives you a gray magic band. Oh, no, you can. I bet you can pick gray before if you like gray. Yeah, you can. And people do. And I get that. But that's just personally what I think. I think less of people with gray magic bands. Okay, this serves, you know, if they had a black magic band, I'm trying to think. I don't, I haven't, at least they don't offer that. That's what I would pick. That's my favorite color. So I'm, I'm all about kind of the more muted, you know, color. So maybe that's just me. They do sell a matte black magic band if you would like to purchase one. It's not included in your reservation, but it, well, you, know, you could buy one if you wanted. We may have to change my, my answer then because that, that I'm interested in that, to be honest. All that to say is you see, I see the gray magic bands and I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I think a little less of that person vacation because I don't feel like they adequately have planned their trip and they're going to think 
Disney is overrated in general and then they'll never come back, which maybe I shouldn't think differently about them because that's just less crowds that I'm going to have to deal with. But then you start to get to the point where you see all the same colors. You see the yellows, you see the blues, you see the reds, you see the purples, and all of these colors are the same. So I thought, you know, for $4, my magic band is going to stay stand out. And people commented on it all week long when we were there. Oh, that's the coolest magic band. Where'd you buy that at? And it was like, you know, I... I just bought some decals, some stickers, and put them on here, and it, it made my Magic Band stand out. So that side of it, I'm going to say that it's underrated because you can really do some cool stuff with them. In fact, my wife, with her Millennium Pink one, she got like this this the, the geodescent uh, uh, pattern that Epcot, the Epcot ball is, uh-huh. and she has that wrapped around her Millennium Pink Magic Band, and it, I mean, it looks pretty cool. So, I, you know, those decals, I think, are underrated, and I think it's just a cool way to have fun with your Magic Band. Okay, I, I will allow it. I may actually ask somebody to buy me a black one for my birthday. Or Not a bad idea. You know, if you buy it with a discounted Disney gift card, then you're going to save even more money. Even better. I like it. All right, that'll wrap up our question of the episode. Episode, we'll work on the name and get back to you guys. But thanks for being a part of it. We enjoy it. It's our favorite episode to record just because all these questions are off the cuff. We may come with the questions that we're going to ask each other, but we never know how each other is going to respond. So it's just a way for us to kind of dive into something with no prep work. And it's a lot of fun for us. But thanks for tuning in. If you get a chance, go out to our social media platforms and like us and follow us and rate us and review us on iTunes. We appreciate all your feedback and interaction on all those different platforms. It's something that on a day-to-day basis when we're not recording, we go out there and and pay attention to. So it's really fun to hear from you guys and to interact with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And on behalf of Master the Mouse Podcast and Griffin, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you real soon. See you guys.